you really get to the, to the heart of it in any organization when you hit some turbulence. And hitting turbulence is, is going to happen, and good leaders will anticipate this. Welcome to Playmakers. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, 15-year NFL and NBA business exec, widely known as the 49ers Y coach, now your coach. Join me on this journey from why to purpose to impact. The key to it all, taking action. Prepare to get tactical as our guests share their daily playbook where purpose no longer has to be a distant North Star. It can become a 365 way of life. Let's go. Playmakers, it's about that time to welcome Ken Sterling into the conversation. Ken is the Executive Vice President and Chief Learning Officer at Big Speak, one of the world's top speaking bureaus on a mission to awaken the greatness within each and every one of us. Along with being an attorney and talent agent, he describes himself as a people whisperer. You'll soon know why. His background includes being homeless, a PhD, and everything in between. He's also a researcher at USC, Fight On, and he teaches marketing and business ethics at UC Santa Barbara. Truly, one of the more special conversations I've had. Once you hear his perspective on life being a cul-de-sac versus a one-way street, you may never look at adversity and setbacks the same. Buckle up and welcome Ken Sterling to the Playmakers Podcast. Ken, welcome to Playmakers. How are we doing? Paul, we are great over here. Thanks for having me. And let me answer that question. Another question. How are you doing? <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, I feel like a couple New Yorkers here. There, there we go. Look, you're in a you're in a wonderful place called sunny Santa Barbara. And uh, much like Los Angeles, where I am, I, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I, I start to complain when it gets below a brisk 50. So d- does that resonate up there? Oh, you're talking about the temperature wimp? Factor, <laughs> yeah. yes. And I'm a, I'm a kid. Yeah, you from can New call York. me that. That's cool. Yeah, I'm a kid from New York, and I've been out here too long. And we just had an offsite up at the Alisal Ranch here in the hills, where, where oh, temperatures beautiful. are colder. It, it was wonderful. And there, a lot of our our crew is actually from the East Coast, and even they admitted to being temperature wimps. So yes, definitely. If it's below 65 here. Uh, And the thing that I do because I live in Santa Barbara is I leave the house at six in the morning in my shorts and it's kind of warm through the day and the sun's out. And then when the sun goes down, you know, ooh, watch out if it's below 60 degrees and I I get a little bit of a chill. Mm, I love it. Well, a couple of things are happening right now within the Playmaker community. The West Coasters are saying, I feel you. And the East Coasters are probably calling us much worse than wimps. That's exactly what just happened. Agree. Yes, they're definitely experiencing a, a little bit of inclement weather, uh, as we would call it. And I'm actually heading over there in a week uh, for a wedding. Uh, but who gets married uh, in New Jersey? Uh, I got some cousins oh, down goodness. in New Jersey. Who gets married in December? Uh, I hope they don't no, listen to this no, episode. No, hard pass. Call them out. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's bad when the Buffalo Bills of all places. So we're just uh, we're recording this right around Thanksgiving of 22 and the Buffalo Bills just had to move a game out, which that takes a lot. All right, enough meteorologists. That was a, a fun kickoff, but Ken, you and I, we've been jamming in the speaking industry yourself certainly uh for many more years than I have, but we linked up recently 
at an innovation conference, SoFi Stadium, YouTube Theater, phenomenal time. We have some mutual friends who are speaking as well. So that's what really brings us here today. For a lot of playmakers, they are familiar with Big Speak, but some may not. So if, if we could just kick off here, who is Big Speak? What do you do at Big Speak? And talk to us about a mission because this will resonate, awakening greatness within. So let's quadruple click on the world of Big Speak. I'd love to quadruple click. And before, I just want to say I saw you in person at the SoFi Stadium at the YouTube Theater, and you absolutely crushed it. I mean, you exemplified being a playmaker. You owned it. Your energy was fabulous on stage. And as somebody who sees speakers many times a week and, you know, possibly hundreds, if not thousands per year, your presentation really spoke to me, and and I loved what you brought Awakening mm, greatness. Thank within. you so much. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And, and in a way, you awoken greatness within that day, you know, for, for yourself, for me, for other people in the audience. And I think before I kind of go into the history or, or the definition of how we did that, it's to really use that example. What is awakening greatness within? And for us, what's what's elegant about the work that we did, and we worked on this for several years, is it's our mission, it's our purpose, and it's our tagline. And very few companies have that. A lot of companies will have a mission statement and that'll be on their website. They'll have a different purpose and then their tagline. And I, as a marketer and a marketing professor um, and still doing research on marketing at USC, like this week I'm turning in some research. Uh, You know, what's really interesting is this misalignment of company values, company mission, company purpose, and the tagline. So many companies don't have that. And what's great about Big Speak is, guess what? We're in the learning business. We're in the wisdom provisioning business. And we eat our own cooking. As my nana would say, do we eat our own cooking? (laughs) And so with us, Awakening Greatness Within is exactly that. It's Awakening Greatness Within our team at Big Speak within our clients, within our speakers, within audiences, and having an impact out there in the world to, like a lot of companies say we want to change the world. Okay, great. How are you going to change the world? With us, we believe that by helping people learn something and awakening the greatness within, then that's going to help them, their organization, their communities, the the world. So the short version of that, uh, is save the world, except it's a lot deeper than that and a lot more thoughtful for us. So we started, Big Speak started almost 27 years ago at a place up in Big Sur called Esalen Institute. A lot of people go there and uh, I'll just give you a spoiler alert, folks, if you have not been there, they have hot tubs over the ocean, which are amazing. Uh, and there's a lot of naked people. So just just prepare yourself for naked people in the hot tub. Don't look, and they're not looking at you. They're just everyone's doing their own program there. So our founder had sold his company. He was up there reflecting on what he could do, and he created this company that was our first version called Consciousness Unlimited. And again, our DNA of awakening greatness within ties back to this idea of consciousness and unlimited and really expanding minds, expanding greatness. So that that's kind of the, the short spiel on that. Oh, it's so good. We could go infinite places here, but what I want to dive into, because I agree with you, you said misalignment and there's a lot of 
organizations out there, unfortunately, and it's part of why you and I do what we do. It's because there are some problems to solve. There are some challenges that we need to face head on. But when you talked about the misalignment of purpose or of values, you know, I, I always position it as even the way that we describe. So it is playmakers, but then the subtitle on purpose. And the reason that was it is because I think too often there's misalignment when we communicate about purpose. Too many people think purpose is solely a North Star. And when it stays out there, it often becomes a bumper sticker. And we use it and we say it, but we don't act it. We don't behave it. So for me, it's more of a 365 way of life. It's a 365 lifestyle. So that would be a good place to share with us just some examples of, so if awakening greatness within is the mission, the purpose, and the tagline of Big Speak, walk us through how does that show up? Mm -hmm. I love it. You're setting all this up for me really elegantly. So thank you for that. (laughs) What we did before we came up with Awakening Greatness Within is we spent a lot of time, we brought in consultants, we collaborated with our team, and we came up with core values. And the core values really live what we do. And what our president Barrett put together is he puts together our, our big, our big win for the year with our team and with our leaders. Hey, what's our big win going to be? And then how does that apply to our core values and OKRs, objectives and key results? So again, to the purpose of alignment, you get these companies that have a mission, they have a purpose, they have a tagline, they have some core values. And to your point, like core values and missions and purposes can't just be vinyl letters on the wall of the cafeteria. Like you can have all the kombucha, all the foosball you want. And unless your leaders and everybody in that company, in our company, are living these core values and living our mission and living our purpose, it's it's really, it's very off brand. And uh, again, it, there's a lot of misalignment. So what we created for ourselves was core values. And those core values are coach, C-O-A-C-H. It starts with collaboration. Then we have optimism, we have accountability, we have collaboration, communication, so kind of a part two of that, and then healthy growth. So when you put all those together, and then we have examples of what those look like, and then we actually put scorecards together, and our OKRs tie into that. So each of the things and each of the strategic initiatives, and we usually pick three or four strategic initiatives each year. What's our NPS going to be? What's our repeat referral going to be? You know, how many how many clients are we going to have? How many speakers are we going to have? And then we apply our core values and our mission and purpose of awakening greatness within. And then everybody on our team has a QBR, quarterly business review, with a scorecard, and we benchmark every line item there. And then they each have a KPI, a key performance indicator, that ties into those objectives and key results. It's a lot, by the way, it's a lot of work, and I encourage it for, for every leader, for every organization, you know, profit, nonprofit, when you really figure this out, and it, it, it literally took us five years to get this and I'm not even going to say perfect, to get it to a place where this all functions and it cascades from the top of awakening greatness within 
to the core values, and then these things that we want to accomplish as a team every year and breaking those down and measuring those. Uh, it's work and it's very, very effective. Yeah, it, it is work. It is hard. And if you want to be purpose-centered, it's required. The, the, what you just said is non-negotiable. It's the no BS test, folks. Every company is going to have a purpose statement, but are they words on the wall or is it how they behave? Is it how they show up? Is it, does it drive their decisions? Does it drive their actions? And, and just curious, I didn't know we were going to hang out here for so long, but literally, brother, we are more kindred spirits than I even realized coming into our relationship in this conversation. Um, for, for playmakers listening that are in leadership roles, and let's say they would eat some of that humble pie and say, you know what, we're not nailing this test as of today. But thanks to Ken's words, it has awakened me to become a better, greater version of myself and for our company. So should the work to roll our sleeves up and do this going forward. If I'm a company leader, did this solely stay within the leadership ranks of Big Speak or was this more of an inclusive approach where you're talking to folks, you're socializing, there's water coolers, there's very much voice of the people? Like walk us through that piece of it. Great question. It's everybody. Uh, the the leaders are definitely the, the coaches and the facilitators and we realized several years ago, if we want to keep exponentially growing the company, if we want to have, you know, attract and retain amazing people that we really needed to do this work. And we haven't really talked about the C word yet. And, you know, the C word comes up a lot. It's loosely used. And that is culture. And what's the culture and the culture that we're understanding and that we're learning about as we do all this work is Culture is not the words on the wall. It's not the foosball table. It's not the kombucha. Culture is how we thrive and work together. And most importantly, culture is how we thrive and work together when we're under pressure and when we're in crisis. When everything's great and we're all at Disneyland and it's puppy dogs and ice cream, <laughs> everything's great. You really get to the, to the heart of it in any organization when you hit some turbulence and hitting turbulence is, is going to happen and good leaders will anticipate this. And, and again, this was not easy work. It was not light work. The framework we've created appears to be simple. And we all know as leaders, as playmakers, that simple is not easy. Like building something elegant, doing the apple, uh, you know, thinking of Steve Jobs and the, the iPod and the iPhone, which to, on the outside is so seemingly simple. And it, the, what's been abstracted away is all the computational complexities of, of what really happened. And that's what good leadership does. That's when you're being a playmaker and you're setting yourself up and your team for success is doing this groundwork. And I mean, it's, I, I'm not going to lie. It was a lot and there. We were meeting weekly with ourselves, with consultants, with the team. And to your question, did we collaborate 100%? So we, we got this idea and kind of this wisdom of this is what we need to do. And, and part of the wisdom from just our, ourselves and our souls and the consultants that we spoke to is, Hey, if you don't want this to be words on the wall, you can't just do this work in a vacuum. You've got to get your team. And when you really want buy-in, there, there are ways of getting that buy-in. And one of the biggest things is have everybody help build it. It's kind of like in the old days 
like back in the days, by the way, we're coming up on Thanksgiving and thinking about, you know, the early settlers and they used to do, what was it called? A, a house raising. And everybody from the community would come and, and build these homes together. And, you know, they, they would start on the ground and then they would get the framing and they would put them up. And that's the, the ownership. And everybody in, the, in that neighborhood felt like they had a piece of that family and that, that home. So if there was a fire, again, the turbulence, right? Like everything's great. It's a spring day and the sunflowers are growing and the horses are plowing the fields. That's great. Like, hey, what about when lightning hits hits one of us or, you know, hits that house or hits that family, let's go help. So that's, that's really what's key for us and why we built this this way is to really foster a thriving culture. And I, and I'm using that word in a, in a very specifically defined thing because a lot of people throw the culture word around and, Oh, we have culture or, or, you know, one of these, interview questions that uh they're they're having college kids ask what's your company culture like no that you, you can't ask that you've got to see it you've got to feel it you've got to exemplify it well you've got to see it you've got to feel it and also at a career fair you're only going to hear the blue skies version <laughs> so well, exactly the sunflowers hey, even if it's legit yeah yeah well gosh all right so so much to to unpack here but well and you know just i just want to say also like going back and look what we're looking at today, um, up until four months ago, it was blue skies out there. And if you look at the headlines, you know, I get the Wall Street Journal every morning and I read that every morning. And when you look at the Wall Street Journal over the last month and you look at what's going on out there, all those companies recruit at the career fairs at the universities that I'm at, you know, the UCs, USC, and they're all, you know, rosy pictures and Meta and Google and Amazon and huge, huge companies, huge companies that are doing this. And, you know, now they're laying off 10, 11, 15,000 people. And, okay, let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about the leaders of those companies that, you know, it, it, what is it too big to fail or you didn't see the writing on the wall and you just hired five or 8,000 people and now you're going to let them go. I, I don't, I don't think that's accountable or, or healthy. No, uh, amen to that. And we all have our own definition of culture, but I, I think this one, I not only want to share it because it's relevant, but I also think that the closing piece exemplifies what you just said about how you show up in blue skies versus storms. So I would define culture and thanks to Gary Ridge for adding the last piece, because if you were to read the power of playing offense, you would see culture equals how you show up and how you show up equals actions, behaviors, decisions. That's it. That was my interpretation. That was my definition. And then Gary Ridge, former CEO and chairman of WD40, amazing in the culture space. He dropped some knowledge on me that I will never forget. And he said, yes, Paul, I agree with you. Multiply all of that times consistency. So in other words, if you're only showing up in the blue skies and there's the mermaids and the unicorns and the ponies and all of that stuff, but then we get in this economic winter like we're in right now and then you show up differently, well, via his multiplied by consistency, that would give you an inconsistent culture and therefore you have none. Agreed. If you're inconsistent, it's not even really, it's like saying I'm honest 50% of the time. Well, then you're just not an honest person, are you? (laughs) You know, I think that's, yeah. Exactly. And to your point, 
I don't know if it's a lack of culture. It's just what I describe as a toxic culture. So the culture's there. It's just not a, it's not a healthy and thriving culture. And it's, it's very typical. And and we actually just had our offsite and we talked about this last week of culture itself of survive culture and thrive culture. And the, the way that teams show up uh, and the way that leaders show up in survive mode which can kind of be from scarcity um, versus thrive mode of, hey, we're going to get through this. You know, like the good squirrels, we put our nuts away for the winter. We've got a, a nice hold to hide in here and we're going to be okay. Like we're, It's not going to be puppy dogs and ice cream for a year or two. And we plan for this and we're here for the team and we're going to make this work. All right, Playmakers, it's about that time to discover your why. It only takes five minutes, and on the other side, you will better understand who you are, how you think, and why you do what you do. Here's how you get the assessment. Text the word WHY to 310-564-7857. Again, open up a text and send the word WHY to 310-564-7857. For coaching after, DM me for now. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, what's really cool, Ken, is so part of even prepping for conversations like this and and you go through the whole digital footprint of everybody that you talk to. And one thing that I got a refresher on, I had seen it years ago, but I wanted to refresh myself was your TED talk. And I think it very much connects to what we're discussing now, but maybe playmakers out there have yet to hear your TED talk. So now of course they will, and they'll go and they'll, they'll go to YouTube and Ken Sterling, but talk to us about what your TED talk was about and obviously managing turbulence, which is why I'm bringing it up, but you kind of had a formula and a prescription that is very scalable and accessible for everybody, whether they're in a leadership role or not. So just break it down. Just what led to the talk, what the message was and how it can apply to all playmakers. Definitely. What led to the talk is I was a professor at UC Santa Barbara and I was one of the advisors on the committee and it was a student led event. They did an amazing job And about a week before the event, they learned that actually three of their speakers weren't going to be able to make it, Uh, you know, either through scheduling conflicts or maybe they weren't prepared. So, uh, you know, after kind of some prodding, because I really wanted to let the students just handle it all. And they said, hey, we've got these three spots to fill. So I reached out to a couple speakers and then there was still a spot to fill and I had this idea, I'd been thinking about it and I'd been writing about it. And that was this concept of like, hey, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter when it is, you're going to hit turbulence. And, you know, that that's as a student, as a leader, as a parent, uh, you know, just just as a human, even as a kid out on the schoolyard, turbulence is going to come up. And the way that we plan for that, that we're proactive about that is really what makes the difference between, and again, going to kind of survive and thrive mode. Uh, the other thing that had, that had happened and what had planted my seed here is that I was involved in two air flights. Uh, one of them, and we've all hit some pretty gnarly turbulence where um, there's some screams in the background and the babies start crying. I, I went through these two different flights with 
uh, same flight pattern, same flight home. And uh, the way that the pilots, the, the two respective pilots handled that was very, very different. So that planted the seed along with now uh, this talk. And it really came down to three things. And this was the framework that I came up with that, yes, it's simple. Most frameworks are simple if you think about them and you plan for them and you prepare for them. And that is that first, you've got to anticipate what's going to happen. So whatever it is, even if you're driving your car or your bicycle or your skateboard and you're heading down the street, think about that little pebble that, you know, if you hit it, your, your skateboard is going to come to this screeching halt and you're going to fly forward. You know, did you have a helmet? Do you have, do you have elbow pads? Which by the way, when I was a kid, of course I didn't. Um, and you know, now I feel it years <laughs> later. So, you know, anticipate, figure out what, could happen. And this doesn't mean focus on what's going to go wrong, because that's a whole other mindset. You have a positive mindset, have a thriving mindset, and think about what are some things that are likely to come up that, and I, I don't usually call them problems. Here at Big Speak, we call them challenges. And by the way, when someone calls out a challenge, part of our culture is that you present the challenge and you have to have at least two solutions to it. So that's just a good way to get into the to the headspace there. So anticipating what's going to come, then communicating, because so often people do the ostrich and they kind of bury their head in the sand. And, and then guess what, folks? And we all know this and it's happened to me. It festers. It gets worse. So communicate, take a partner, reach out to people. Uh, you know, again, even if it's personal situation, reach out to somebody and just say, hey, I'm going through this situation. I'm wondering if I can get your, your help or your advice. And then the last part is execute. So you anticipated it. You brought in people. You're communicating. You're collaborating about it. Now you got to take action and do something. And if we, if we look at things and we look at disasters and we look at things that have happened in the past, if the ACE framework, anticipate, communicate, execute, had been applied – I think things could have been better. I, I don't want to be one of those should have guys or woulda, coulda, shoulda. I do think if folks go into this and the more you prepare for it, the more you work with other people on a solution and then you actually do something. And guess what? Maybe the first thing you do isn't going to fix it. Maybe it's not going to make it better. Figure it out and then change it and modify it. A lot of people get into this uh a, a paralysis by analysis mode where then they, they are communicating and collaborating, but they, they just don't want to do it. And it's usually fear and uncertainty or, you know, acceptance of, oh gosh, I don't know if I, if I should do this. You know, again, it's with the shoulds. Uh, you know, the question is what could you do? What could you do? You know, think about it, talk to someone about it. And then what could you do right now? What's a half measure? What's something you could do to make things at least a little bit better? And we, uh, we work with a lot of astronauts and Mike Massimino, he was here a couple, probably, uh, gosh, what was it? Three, three months ago, he was at that big Jeff Bezos space summit in Ohio. And he said that one of the cardinal rules of being an astronaut and an aviator is to not make the situation worse. So that's interesting. It doesn't mean don't do anything about it, but it means if you go in there and you try something and it makes something worse, back off, try something else and maybe have a backup plan. You know, depending on how critical the situation is, have a plan and then a plan behind the plan, which again is part of anticipation. 
Yeah, it's phenomenal. And it's interesting. This brings us back full circle because when we were together a few weeks back at this innovation conference, Better Decisions Faster, title of my upcoming book, and that was almost a launching point from a speech perspective. But I, I said that the worst decision is indecision. And it really does solve for the problem of paralysis, especially at those stress inducing forks in the road and using your ACE framework, anticipate, communicate and execute. The first two don't matter if you don't execute, (laughs) you know, it, it really is. It's a yes. And this is not an either or game. And so for a lot of playmakers, if you are feeling especially in challenging, turbulent times like we're in right now. Fear will be there. Uncertainty will be there. Maybe our confidence gets a little shaken. That's all human. It's all natural. It's not no negative judgment on everybody we're talking to. This is just about how are we going to navigate through it? And so that's where I want to take us next, Ken, is if we were to think about turbulence, and I agree with you, adversity does not discriminate. It's touching everybody in the world in different ways at different times, different levels of severity, but we cannot avoid adversity. And so if you were to think back to your earliest years, whether you want to go youth, more formative, kind of your upbringing, what were those first uh, most uh, significant experiences of turbulence? And talk to us about those. And equally as important, how did they mold you, shape you, groom you going forward? This is a this is a big and, and pretty heavy topic, you know, for me and, and sometimes for people that I'm I'm sharing it with. And um, I, I want to asterisk this and, and footnote it with that I I still believe that these things that happened to me did help me become the person that I am today, and I'm grateful for it. You know, I also and I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, you know, I was born in the United States, male, Caucasian. So as much as this story might sound heavy, uh, it definitely doesn't compare to some adversity that that a lot of other folks go through that that don't have the same privilege that I did. Uh, Because I I candidly, I think if you didn't look like me, um, you know, some people might not have gotten through the adversity the way that I did. So going back to the earliest days, uh, you know, I'm a college baby. Uh, Mom and dad were not together. I was born in a college. I lived in a college dorm at a women's college as a kid. And my bio dad was uh, an addict, an alcoholic, a criminal. He was in and out of prison for things, you know, ranging from weapons charges to attempted murder. And uh, I carried a lot of shame around that. I carried a lot of fear around that. Uh, When I was three years old, he poured coffee on me which, uh, you know, deformed my back. And, I mean, some, some pretty, uh, you know, I'll, I'm going to take it to PG-13, some pretty heavy shit. And, uh, you know, also we, we did not have a lot of money. My mother struggled with, you know, her purpose in life. She thought she wanted to be a school teacher. And we just, we just bounced around for, for many, many years. And I've been through almost every situation available that people could imagine, including being homeless several times. And when I'm in situations today, especially with colleagues and, you know, in our world, the shit's hitting the fan, like a speaker canceled or somebody missed a flight or there's a hurricane coming through Florida. I'm very steady. 
and people are like, how can you be so calm? And I don't say it, but what I'm thinking is like, if you had any freaking idea of where I've been, you know, where I would wake up in the morning and, and go through, uh, you know, to the to the different food kitchens or, you know, go to different places to eat or to survive or, uh, you know, being in an emergency room with my mom when I was six years old and they wouldn't treat her uh, because we didn't have any money or insurance. And, you know, me pleading with the nurse to admit my mom. I think when when people hit those kinds of situations, when I hit those situations, I'll just own it. It gives me, uh, I think this is the word I'm looking for, perspective. And, and again, I, you know, I, I do well. I'm grateful for everything that I have and um, that I've accomplished and that I'm able to offer the world. And, uh, you know, candidly, I, I don't think I'd be the, the human I am today if I hadn't gone through a lot of that shit. And so thinking forward, and I've heard part of your story here, and, and on behalf of all playmakers, thank you for sharing that. Um, because the reality is we've all been through shit and I'm not here to compare shit to shit in the sense of, I'm not here to, I don't win the trophy of mine's a 10 and yours is an eight. I'm not going to be disrespectful. And at the end of the day, I think my inclusive message would say that life has not been easy for anybody. Anybody that tells you the opposite is just not comfortable enough. They don't feel safe enough to share the full truth. The reality is we all have our story. So Maybe that's where we stay. So your story, this could have, I mean, this was part of your earliest sense of identity and character building. Like this is a very formative part of your life. What did you do so that this wouldn't influence in what for others could have been a negative uh, light? How did you bottle all of that up or process it? Or what did you do so that it wouldn't just be this long tail of woe is me. I'm a victim. My life is never going. A lot of folks could go down that very ugly, nasty road, but you didn't. What did you do reflecting back that allowed there to be a positive light at the end of this tunnel? Mm-hmm. So the first share I have is that I did go down that dark and nasty road many times. And the good news for me and for you and for everybody listening is that road is not a one way and it's not a dead end where you get stuck. It is a cul-de-sac, which means that's an invitation for you to go down that road. And, you know, just like you are in your car and you're going around, go slow because there's kids, but, you know, go around that cul-de-sac and come back out and come back as, as quickly and as reasonably as you can for yourself. So the things that helped me were some pivotal moments in, in life and some, uh, you know, regardless of what someone's religious affiliations or spiritual affiliations, angels, you know, angels in the spiritual sense, angels kind of just in the metaphorical sense. And uh, I, ha- I had a, a grandfather who was amazing and loving and kind, you know, probably one of the kindest people that I knew. Um, he was a, uh, he loved his family. He did everything for his family. And I didn't have that, that sense of family from, from my own family. So he was wonderful. Um, his son, my uncle, um, was, was his son and had a lot of the same characters, but also had the drive of proving people wrong. 
And between the two of them of, hey, be soft and take care of everybody and go out there and show the world what you can do, between those two, and then Ma, who uh, you know was very forward of, we have no money, I got no college for you, uh, you're, you're moving out of the house by the time you're 18 if we even have a house. Those were all driving factors for me. Uh, when I was 13, I happened to be at a boys club in Los Angeles, and I was turned on to this personal growth framework called Insight Training Seminars. And you talked about victim. At Insight, we get rid of the victim mentality. That every situation, and by the way, this is really hard for me to even still agree with, although it does hold true. And that is that every situation we find ourselves in, we're not a victim. We have ownership in it. And we either created that situation, we promoted that situation, or we allowed that situation. So by approaching that, the CPA, create, promote, allow, that's really helpful. Flash forward to a couple years after that, my mother married this really wonderful guy who actually had done the insight training. And he became my stepdad, and he's still very influential in my life. And spoiler alert is the guy that started Big Speak or Consciousness Unlimited. So the cool thing is I get to you know, be nurtured and fostered by this wonderful human um, who's my CEO and my stepdad um, and just a wonderful beacon of light. And, uh, you know, for, for everybody out there and including and especially me who've, who've hit some of those road bumps and the, that turbulence, having somebody like that in your corner is, is huge. Uh, doing a lot of personal growth work, not feeling like I'm the victim, getting out of that pissed off thing. There's a lot of shame, you know, a lot of things, you know, as a kid, not having money, wearing clothes from the secondhand store, uh, you know, maybe not even having a brown bag lunch when the other kids had the cool Batman uh, lunch boxes and spite, like all that stuff. As a little kid, I processed that and I, I just had shame. And uh, if you study psychology or you know, been through it yourself or seen people when, when we are in shame, we act out. And I went through a lot of that for a long time. The other thing that's interesting is, yeah, we don't need to compare like who's been through more shit. One moment that I still remember, I was getting kicked out of high school and I'm sitting in the principal's office, principal Jackson. And I was, I was basically justifying me being this, you know, a-hole student who mouthed off to a teacher three weeks before graduation. And I, I started talking about how rough my life was. And he was this you know, calm guy who was wearing one of those polyester short sleeve white shirts with a, the polyester yellow striped tie. And he said, you know, Kenny, it's all about five and five. And I was like, you know, what, what's coming here? And he says, there's always going to be, no matter where you are in life, there's always going to be five people worse off than you and five people better off than you. And I promise to God, you know, that was years ago. And I still remember that. And I don't, I don't play the comparison game. And, you know, I'm, I'm so happy when people are doing well and I feel empathy when they're not. In those moments, that really helped me. And when I'm coaching other folks or even if I think about where's big speak in the food chain or, you know, where's, you know, how's the 401k or like all those things. And I just remind myself five and five and it really helps level me out. That's really cool. 
All right, we are going to come back to Bixby because I know there's some exciting stuff that uh, is on the horizon and that you're really sinking your teeth into. But I, I just want to ask this, and I'm asking for a reason on behalf of all playmakers because this will really uh, put a bow on everything you just said. How many, uh, currently, how many degrees do you hold? Oh, gosh. And, and I want to tempt you, this. Even if you ballpark it, you could even ballpark it because I'm going somewhere <laughs> with this and you might, and you probably know where. I guess it's five or six. And honestly, it's not a badge of honor. It's just this accidental thing. And I, I do want to footnote high school kickout, like not even a high school drop, but a high school kickout. Yeah, well, and that's where I was going with it, too, because I, I've heard you use both words in the past as far as or maybe it was how it was described by others that they use the dropout word. Now you're saying the kickout word. But where I'm going with this is for all playmakers like you want to talk about a resurrection story. You want to talk about even if currently we do hold some victim mentality or whatever it is. I love that cul-de-sac. I, I am not going to forget that, Ken. I think that is such a cool thing that it is not a one way street. It is a cul-de-sac and your story is one of countless in the world that we've been through some stuff and yet we're still here. I think that's really the message. I'm still here and tomorrow is another opportunity. And this is where, you know, sometimes folks think it's really foo-foo about, oh yeah, becoming the best version of yourself or you say things like unlimited potential and you, you kind of get the eye roll and my gut tells me, oh, maybe you're still in the one-way street. But when we start to realize that it's a cul-de-sac, you don't get that eye roll. Well said. I, I, I agree. And I think yeah, it's funny because I, I do a lot of work and I have an executive coach. And um, I, I used to say the old version of me. And she says, it's not the old version of you. It's still there. It's still a part of you and your growth path. You're just... You're working on some additional versions and more functioning versions of yourself. Mm. So talk to us about the, I, now I'm almost questioning the words I'm going to use. I was going to say the current version of you, but your executive coach <laughs> might, might correct me. So uh, pardon my title, but what, talk to us about what you're up to now, what you're most excited about. Just w w what's a day in the life of, uh, of Ken Sterling like nowadays? Uh, you know, really excited and making more time for family, which is, uh, you know, candidly, as I was in the survive mode and then in those early days of thrive, I was very into the hustle culture um, and, you know, full transparency, I, I still am into hustle culture. Uh, and by the way, that that's not something we expect of our team at Big Speak. It's just, it's that homeless kid from New York in me that, you know, I, I don't know if it's ever going to be fully tamped out. Uh, so excited about spending time with family, starting a new family, recently got married, have a wonderful partner. And, uh, you know, things that things at the company are amazing. So we're we're firing on all cylinders. We just had our annual offsite, which was what we were told the best ever. Had some great time to reconnect and, you know, shot guns and had archery and canoe races and all kinds <laughs> not of not at each other right it is yes <laughs> yeah exactly so it was very fun to refill the cup and you know in terms of what we're working on is that we you know for years we've been a pure play speakers bureau and we've had some exclusive speakers a very small amount so if you go to our website we've got about 3200 ish speakers on the website 
we also have 24 hand-picked, very curated, very wonderful, special, exclusive speakers. That's that's our exclusive speaker family. That uh, you know, one of my rules is that I, I've got to like all of them. I want to be able to hang out with them. That they're good people. That they're doing good in the world. And we're very intentional about that. So we've been working on that and really fostering this separate talent division, which is different than Speakers Bureau, which tends to be a little bit more, you know, in the moment and a, a little bit more uh, kind of focusing on that one event versus now we're building these great relationships. And then what we've also been working on in Big Speak in terms of our agents and our sales team is building relational strategic partnerships with the companies that we work with and and trying to get out of that transactional focus and it's hard because this business is very transactional uh what we've discovered is that uh we started tracking our nps in 2017 and back then it was 65 nps's net promoter score and uh we just benchmarked it and i actually gave a presentation on this at the offsite we're at 86 which is Zappos level or in the old days Nordstrom level uh, you know for a benchmark the average kind of NPS out there just if you took all industries and all companies is like 47 banks are in the 20s uh, banks are, have notoriously low <laughs> uh, and cell phone companies have notoriously low NPS so by putting all this together and really focusing on relationships taking care of our team taking care of our strategic partner clients, and then now fostering these talent relationships. It's been really wonderful. That's so cool. So cool. Yeah. And when you were given the, for one, kudos and bravo to what y'all are doing over there. And you you are correct. I, I've studied the numbers as well. Yeah. That is Zappos territory right there, my friend. So that's awesome. Yeah. And on the other side, I won't comment on banks, but uh, for the phone companies, it might have something to do with that 48 minute wait time. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and that doesn't mean you hit a human. That just means you gave up. <laughs> exactly. And the, and the really interesting thing is that, uh, you know, the companies who do elegant technology where you don't have to be on hold for 48 minutes, that's great. And you can still get great NPSs there. It's just that a lot of these companies are still in the dinosaur age. They haven't built the good technology and the good chat software and, and the customer ticket systems. So uh, yeah, here, here it is, phone companies. The first ones to really get this are going to get a lot of market share. No doubt. Yeah, there, it's, there's only one way to go. That's the good news. There is only one way to go. So before we ask the last question, Ken, you've earned, I think is the best word, earned the, the hearts and the minds and just everybody else. You have better yet, let me rephrase that. You have awakened the greatness within countless playmakers out there today. So for those that want to stay close and connected, how can playmakers find you, follow you, wherever you want to take us? Thank you. I welcome conversations and welcome folks to reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's just LinkedIn, Ken Sterling. And please reach out, introduce yourself. Let me know if there's something from our talk with Paul today that resonated with you. Uh, and, you know, if folks need resources or, you know, want a good book to read or a great podcast that I'm listening to, I'm always happy to share it and awaken the greatness within for everybody. Mm, so good. So you've already been a treasure trove of what I'm about to ask you, but now, and we're going to, we're going to close and exit stage left with the, uh, 
with advice. And so rather than just ask you a one-way piece of, usually folks ask, oh, what's the number one piece of advice you've been given? I'll I'll make it a two-way street. It could either be that was given to you or that you've given to others and you humbly just want to share it with all playmakers. So if you could close this out, just number one piece of advice. Number one piece of advice that I'm processing a lot right now and I know this might sound a little basic or kind of fundamental, is to get off technology. Uh, And I know, and here's why, because we all know the things that Rogan and, you know, Ferris and James Clear and all those folks are saying, and they're much smarter than me. What I'm finding is that my headspace is so cluttered with technology and not getting enough sleep, and those are related, that putting that technology down, not having technology in the bedroom, getting some more sleep, getting more oxygen in your body. It just helps you start your day better every day and helps you end your day better. You'll sleep better. You'll dream better. You'll be in better relationships. And, and that's, that's something that I'm, I'm focusing on and I'm very passionate about for myself and the people around me is to a really good exercise of self-care is just cut your technology back one hour a day. Just start there. Yep. Amen to that. And to double down on it, one is a best practice I have seen that that share that philosophy with you, Ken, and for all playmakers, start your day, no tech, first 30 or 60 minutes and start small. You could start at 15, just start at 15 and then build it up. And we know it's not going to end up being two hours, but to the extent that you can focus on you. You can focus on that self-care. I think that would be awesome. And the closing piece here is, for many of us, technology manages us versus we need to manage technology. And, And guess what? I'll bet on the human every time, but we have to be aware. And so that that's the closing part. Ken, you've been awesome, my friend. Thank you on behalf of all playmakers. You've helped us level up. And uh, just, um, I know there's so many conversations in the future. We'd love to have you back at some point. So thank you again, brother. Thank you, Paul. Great to hang out. See you soon. Another episode in the books. You know the drill. If it added value to your life, subscribe, share, leave a review, and help grow our playmaker community. For keynote speaking and why coaching, visit paulepsteinspeaks.com. And last call, if you haven't already, take your why discovery now. Pull out your phones and text the word why to 310-564-7857. Again, text the word why to 310-564-7857. Playmakers is proudly produced by Detroit Podcast Studios. Until the next time, dominate the day on purpose.